Good morning, everybody. We're really glad you guys are here to, to worship with us as we launch our new series, Painting a Bright Future. Uh, my name is Alex Baird. I'm the lead pastor here. And this is one of my favorite images for a series because I think it captures just this beautiful picture of, of hope. And you see this, this brightness and all the dynamic uh, colors. And uh, this is usually how we would hope life would be. We wake up and we'd like, we'd like brightness. We'd like light. We'd like uh, good things versus bad things. But this time of year, like a lot of the year, we fight in between uh, kind of our hopes for what uh, could be to what actually is. And we live in a time where there's a lot of uh, doom and gloom uh, that it, we experience. If doom and gloom was, was like a, a weather, I think we have a picture of like clouds um, here. And I think this is in there. Do I have a picture for that? I might not. You ever seen dark clouds? That's what I was talking about. All right. So, but, but that's how life feels. Like you use, people talk about kind of there's like a dark cloud over them. Uh, the idea of like it just looks bleak. And, and that's a lot of, again, what we hope for versus what we experience. Uh, but there's a tension in life because everywhere we look, the things that get our attention a lot of times are not about the brightness of future. They're about the gloom of our world. And uh, if you look at the news, you can see this. Things are always vying for our attention. There's a website called The Drudge Report. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. But it's a place like this where they post the top stories of any given 24-hour period with these links. And the links take you to the news outlets that's promoting this story. So it's a way that you can see, just based on the links itself, what is, what is going on, like in the world or in our country at a given time. What's very interesting about these links are they're written in a way to get you to want to click it. But most of the time, it's not like, your life will be great, click here. It's like, no, there's, there's corruption, there's war, there's pain, and it's like, oh no, I need to find out more about that. And it's filled with those things. And so they, they kind of create this atmosphere in a page of here's the things you need to draw your attention to. Uh, war, unrest, and everything in between. Uh, here's a local uh, website, the Daily Bulletin. Now, Forget the headlines, just look visually at the pictures. Very interesting. There's four pictures or five pictures there. Three of the pictures are of police sirens. Not great, not hopeful. And then the fourth picture is caution tape, some sort of thing that's happened that's not good. And then the one picture that seems, okay, what's that about? It's now about drowning deaths based on flooding. So every single one of those, a snapshot of what you need to give your attention to, is leading us more into like the gloom and doom. And I'm just talking about where we see news. There's things inside of you and inside of me that we struggle with gloom and doom just from the thoughts that we have. Concerns that we're dealing with, anxieties and fears and worries and, and everything in between. And so when we talk about this painting a bright future, there's a tension point, again, from reality that we experience in pictures like this, which we hope were true. And Christmas is interesting in that there's a tension, and I don't know if you've noticed this before, but Christmas is a time where in a way, you're kind of supposed to forget that there might be a dark cloud over your head, and you're kind of supposed to embrace this, this holiday cheer or this holiday spirit. You get what I'm talking about? Here, here's a Coke marketing I love just their angle because it's like doom and gloom. And then you see it, you're like, okay, there's warm, there's gathering. That, that, looks, that looks inviting. And here, here's their, their promise. Explore the many ways to spread happiness with Coca-Cola this holiday season. You want to spread happiness? You buy a six-pack of Coke and you show up to your party with it. That's how you do it. 
But it's interesting, they're touching on something which resonates with us. Okay, I need, I need a little happiness in my life. I just need to buy that and that, that will help. Uh, here's one for McDonald's. Now, McDonald's has a little nostalgia in my life. Anyone relate to that? Like there's just a part, like, French, can we just say the French fries? Can we just get that out there? Like we don't know what's in them, <laughs> but we like them, Okay. But McDonald's is touching on this too. And so you get a McCafe and you've got these, these like beverages, a toffee latte. Like this looks interesting. And discover a world of irresistible flavors where there are exciting range of delicious beverages and indulgent treats full of those little somethings that help brighten your day. A question of most fast food places should be, what are those little somethings? <laughs> you want to ask that. Because there's probably a lot of little somethings in each one of these beverages, right? Uh, but it's this idea of like it pulls you out of that gloom. It pulls you out of that dark. It's like this, this will brighten your day. And so the marketing of companies is just how do we kind of resonate and touch on that tension point? And the holidays are all about that. It's like here's the season. You're, you're supposed to feel happy. You're supposed to feel good about life. But even as we approach Christmas... I don't know about you, but the older I get, the faster it's here and the faster it's gone. In fact, this year, I, I started to promote, like, let's put Christmas stuff out in October. And some of you are like, you've lost all my respect, pastor. Uh, Thanksgiving, you know, I get it, I, I get it. But it's like, I just wanted to savor. So I was talking, you know, let's put out our Christmas trees. We'll call them Thanksgiving trees. Think about marketing. I was thinking marketing. We won't put ornaments on it. We'll just have lights and it's a Thanksgiving tree. Because I want to savor that moment as, as long as possible. So as I was getting out all the Christmas stuff, you know what I was thinking? And you may relate to this as well. I was thinking, I'm just going to be packing all this stuff up like before I know it. And so there's a part of me like, is it even worth it? Sometimes I go on vacation. This is telling you probably a little bit about me. But sometimes I go on vacation, I'm unpacking and I'm like, well, I'm going to be packing it back up and leaving before I know it. Like I already start counting down the vacation is over before it starts. And I think some of that is, well, there could be a lot to that. But, but some of that is just like we, we see and we experience how fleeting things are and things that you look forward to. And Christmas is like all about that. It's like here and you look for it for this like hope. But Christmas is here and then it goes and then it's like we're faced with a new year. Two weeks from today is Christmas Eve. Three weeks from today is New Year's Eve. And then it's 2024. And what does that hold for us? What does that mean? What does that look like? And so wherever you are in your life and the clouds that are over your head or not, Christmas is not supposed to be a season that we just enter in flippantly and then we move on. It's actually supposed to remind us of a reality that goes on forever and ever, long after the Christmas lights have been put back. And that's what we wanna do through this series is remind us of the hope that we have in Christ because he is the one who paints a bright future. And that's where I wanna start today. God paints a bright future for his people. And I'm not talking about a future that ends or a future that we hope will be realized. It's actually a future that is secured. And I wanna spend some time in the Old Testament reading in the book of Isaiah, which is this prophecy to God's people who are in despair, who are in uh, dooming. Actually, could you go back to the slide there? I'm not ready to read it yet. It's actually to a group of people who are in a doom and in a gloom and they're in darkness. Now, if you've read much of the Old Testament, and I encourage you to read the Old Testament, it teaches us a lot about what we should hope for and the promises of God. And, but 
so much of the prophetic literature in the, the Old Testament that's prophesying of what is to come uh, is to do a few things, and I just want to walk through that. First, when you read Old Testament prophecy, uh, we learn in, about the nature and the ways of God. That's important. We learn who God is, his ways, his character. We're also become familiar with the, the laws of God. Like, what is his righteousness? What does justice look like to God? Who is he, and, and how do we get to know him? There's also this call to people to return to God. Then there's also this, this preaching and these warnings with hard truths, like you need to listen, you do not forget these ways of God. Uh, people were warned of coming consequences. And then in Scripture, in the Old Testament, there's also just verses and verses of predictions of future events, future people, most of the time pointing to this Messiah that would come. Now for us, if you're a Christ follower, we believe the Messiah has come. We do not look like the Old Testament prophets or the people of Israel of old. We don't look forward to him coming. We look back knowing he did come. And that gives a brightness to our future that's different. There's a, a new level of hope that we've experienced. But as we read the Old Testament, what's helpful knowing that Christ has come is the fulfillment of what he said. We can grow in trusting him because he did what he said he would do. And these prophets were, were like artists, which are painting this picture of the world and then what God would do. And so I want to start with Isaiah 9, and we'll start with verse 1 and 2, and then I'll break it down a little bit and talk about the situation in which God's people found themselves. And it starts in verse 1. It says, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And then in verse 2, it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And so we learn a little bit about these two groups. And these are, these are tribes. And they're actually writing about two tribes in the northern part of Israel, the tribe of Zebulun and Naphtali. And these are the tribal names. And they experienced considerable gloom and anguish. In fact, they were taken captive by the Assyrian Empire. So at this time that this word is coming, they are experiencing being overrun and controlled by a foreign power that was out to destroy them. This was happening in about 722 BC. The Assyrians were a ruthless people. They came in to dominate, to enslave, to terrorize, and they even began to just deporting them in groups, just driving them away from, from their homeland. But what's also interesting about these two groups, these tribes, the Zebulun and the Naphtali, is that in the northern part of, of Israel where they were, they were also far from Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was like the hub of God's work and where spiritual things and him, just his happenings were occurring. And, and so they were at a great distance. And so the idea is like, these are the people that were so far away, it was like out of sight, out of mind, and they were considered people that, that were the least religious in, in the country. And because they were overtaken by foreign powers, of most of what happens in history, and you see it in the Old Testament, is the foreign powers come in, and then the people of God begin to believe what the foreign powers believe, and they turn to false gods. And so God's people, not only were they experiencing this great oppression, but then they were buying lies and getting into superstition and the, the worship of other gods. And so they were experiencing despair and a loss of hope, which 
we can't really fully understand because of our own experience. But in the middle of that, there's this promise from the prophet of Isaiah that's saying in the middle, there's going to be this glorious way, this way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And this is actually speaking to the work of Christ. And this place is like this highway, and this is, represents like the Sea of Galilee, this body of water. And what we know as you read the New Testament, it's in the Sea of Galilee where Jesus did his work of ministry, the calling of his disciples. It's like the beginning of the Christian movement. The Messiah has come as his ministry went public. What's also interesting is because Jesus grew up in around this region, it's saying that all you people who seem like you're far off from God, you're out of favor, you're in darkness, you're in gloom, God himself will show up and do a work in your midst. And that's the thing that we have to continue to remember is no matter where we find ourselves and what we've done, God is always the one who takes initiative and comes to us and he shows up. And he does a work that we couldn't fathom that he would do. The sea would be glorious, and there's this honor that's attributed to that. What's very interesting is when Jesus comes in Matthew 4, there's a quotation of these two verses, Isaiah 9, 1 through 2. The prophecy's been fulfilled. The Messiah has come. The person they had waited to lift the oppression, to penetrate the darkness, he had come. This is a promise to them that God will do a work. He will not forget you. He will pursue you. He will help you. And that description is in verse two. They've seen a great light. Even though they were in the deep darkness on them, the light shone. That this idea of like their darkness was not too great that the light would not penetrate it. They're not too far gone that God, the God of light through Christ, wouldn't come and, and rescue them. And this is a great, a great promise to God's people of old, but to also our reminder today, no matter what we face, what we go through, we're not too far gone for God to help us. And our darkness is not too great that we can't be rescued. That's even for those who may not even believe in Christ yet. There's always a point when you turn to him, you believe in him, and he becomes your savior and your Messiah that your your life can change. But it's talking about this, this, this land of the shadow of death on the verge of destruction, of despair, But even then, God comes. And then verse three speaks, you have multiplied the nation, you've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. And so this is coming from this uh, group of people that knew about harvest and all the work you have to do to, to sow, to get ready for harvest and the planting and all of the work of toil and Get the, the, the ground ready, and then you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and then finally a harvest comes. And this is really this, this promise to the people before Christ, wait, he will come, and there'll be a harvest, there'll be this great joy when everything you've hoped for will be realized. So consider what that means to us today. For those of you who are followers of Christ, the harvest has been realized. You can see that Christ has come, and the darkness it doesn't overcome you because of that. And then verse four, just kind of move quickly through these. And then it says, for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. So this idea of a, of a yoke that was used for like an oxen and it was on the shoulder and it was just tight and controlling and you have to just go and it was this idea of like you were enslaved. And he's, again, he's speaking to these people that literally they were under this yoke of a foreign empire, crushing them. 
And he's saying that, that you'll have this, this freedom, and then he uses this analogy um, on the day of Midian, and that's actually attributed to this victory that, that God brought with Gideon when he overcame those coming against him without even fighting. It's this picture of God will break you free. He will redeem you. He will allow you to overcome this darkness by the work that only he will do. It's not based on your own strength or, or your own power. You can find that story in Judges chapter six through eight. And then it goes on. And again, this language, again, this is a picture that's being painted by the prophet. Verse five, for every boot of the tramping warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. So now it's this picture of the strength of men. You fight for your cause, you fight for advance, you fight for rescue, you fight for freedom. But in the end, there'll be no weapon or tool of man that will last, it will be burned. The idea is like, we don't need the resources. We have the resources from Almighty God. We don't need our own power. We have the power of God. The idea of the warrior is nothing compared to the Almighty One. And it's very interesting how relevant that is for us today. Because so many, and we fight this in ourselves, even if you are a Christ follower, so many of us, every day we wrestle with what we try to do on our own resources, on our own power, how we want to control. And yet we're reminded that because Christ came, we can overcome those things which come against us. We can become unstuck. We can throw off the yokes that can you know, hold that, that gray cloud over our, our head. That's that bright future. The bright future for us is realized in the past. And that's the difference we have. The hope, Christ has come. We can be redeemed. Gloominess, darkness is not our story. And the scriptures go on, and this is the, the, the next point. It's that God's blessing increases for those who make Jesus king. So not only is there a bright future, but when Jesus becomes your king and you surrender to him and he leads you, you're a part of a kingdom which will change the very course of your life. It will change what you believe. It will change your heritage. It will change the future of generations as you believe him. It changes even what you get from this life. And in verse six, if we think of this like painting that's being displayed, it gets more specific. And you may have heard this before, but I love this scripture in verse six. Now it's talking specifically about Christ's coming. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What I love about the scriptures is if you could think that this is written hundreds of years before Christ has come, and then when Christ comes, he references Isaiah chapter nine. But think about, it. there's no other record of date that predicts anything that happened in the future that actually occurred. And that's God's word. That's why we can trust it. Continually pointed to the Messiah coming and he came. And this is that focal point of, of the story. And it's this panoramic view, the gloom and the doom, it, it can change to light. And it's very interesting. The scriptures say that the government will be on his shoulders. And it's like, well, what, what does that mean? The government on his shoulders. And this isn't really a reference to how he's gonna restore the world's governments. He's not coming to kind of bring stability to this world. It's actually speaking to this kingdom of eternal rule of God's kingdom that goes on forever and ever and ever. 
But there also, in the end of this, is a description of who this Messiah would be. And I think it's in the who that's so important. We learn so much about the significance of Christ. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So back to the beginning of where we started, the the darkness, the things that people are longing for because of what's overhanging, like our heads, what's weighing, and on our shoulders. I don't know how many people I deal with on a weekly basis, sometimes daily, where they just feel stuck and they need help. They want guidance forward. And Christ has promised to be a wonderful counselor. Everyone is longing for somebody to talk to them about their problems and help them. That's like a need, like a human need. Like we just need to talk to somebody and we need help. And we all need that. And actually, God uses people to help us. But here, Christ is defined as this counselor who's wonderful, which means his counsel will not just solve like a short-term problem. He's leading you down a path. It's like this guidance will lead you to the right place. Like you're not going to be lost or confused. It's going to end at the right destination. And it will be good for you. And then he's described as this mighty God. Think about as you get stuck, not only do you need counsel on where to go, but you need strength for how to move forward. Because I don't know what to do. I don't know how I can overcome it. I'm just facing this again and again and again. And then Jesus is promised, like, he's mighty. He will give you strength. And then he's also an everlasting father, a father who loves and provides and protects. But it's not just temporary in this world as we know it. It's not for just like this immediate fix. It's this idea of like it's everlasting. That also speaks to his kingdom, which goes on. And then peace. How many times in your life do you just think, man, I, all I need is some peace and quiet? Some of you are like, man, I got young kids. I don't even know what that means. But we just long for peace because it's so noisy in the world. It's so noisy in our head with all the things that we think about. And I love that description. He's the prince of peace. It's like saying that this is his realm. This is a part of who he is. Also speaking to this kingdom, the prince of things which are peaceful, which represent peace. And so everyone's longing for peace, but really lasting peace is only found in the kingdom of God because this represents his kingdom. It's a description. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Now, verse 7 goes on to talk about this this kingdom. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And so you think of the kingdom of God that's expanding. You think of the kingdom of God that will rule, where everything will come back into its right order, where justice will be restored, where righteousness will be realized, where people will say something and it it will happen. Like there's no mystery The truth will be the truth, and light will be light. And so there's just this increase of God's ways. And then, and again, back to this peace, like there'll be no end. So it's this idea of like God's order, his way of things, his peace. Like think about how magnificent that will be for it to continue to grow, and that's what you realize. And then like multiply that and multiply that and multiply that. And then you still have to multiply. There's no end to it. It's speaking of his rule. Our world is longing for all of these things, but it's only found in the wonderful counselor, the everlasting father, the mighty God. It's only found in Christ because it is of his rule, his government, his kingdom, and his peace that that will be no end. 
Then it says, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. I think one of the things that we struggle with, and I, I know I was just talking to somebody after the first service. I was talking about in life, the older you get, the more you realize how unstable things are. Like your, your health. You know, the older you get, you're like, will my feet get out of the bed and actually touch the ground without things cracking, you know? Some of you are young, like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Just wait, you will. But you, you realize like how so much is unstable. You just look at your own health. You look at your decisions. You look at your reality of life. And then it's unstable with the people that you love. You can't count on things to be like they always have been. And then you look at the things, and we were just talking about our country, and you can get to a position where you, you look at your country and you're like, I always thought I'd be able to trust this to always work. And maybe it doesn't anymore. Maybe the reality that you always knew is no longer the reality. And you realize in this life how much is unstable. And it can actually drive you nuts because we long for stability. And so the promise of this bright future found in Christ and of his kingdom and his righteousness that goes on from this day forevermore, present reality, we can experience it. Doesn't mean we see it in the world. We can experience it like we are a part of it. We're carrying his kingdom forward into this unstable world. So most of the time, as we're looking for the stability of this world, we look to Christ and we become stable. And God uses us actually to become stable people in an unstable world. That's the role of the church. Those that see that this Messiah has come and we can believe in him and we can follow him from this time forth and forevermore. And then it says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There's the idea like, this is not empty words or promises this is not a God trying to win an election. He's telling you this is reality. Nothing will come against my kingdom. Nothing will stop the light that shines in the darkness. Nothing will stop the guidance that he gives to his people. Nothing will stop the peace that he promises to those who love him. Think about the promises again and again that you can bank on. It's the, the zeal, the love, the power of the almighty God that will make it happen. This is the greatest news. This cuts through the clouds of darkness and it brings the light of the truth of the kingdom of God. And for us, if you're a Christ follower, what it means is you have to remember this. You can't get lost chasing, looking for what the world is looking for, for an answer that's already been given. The solution is already here. The light is found in Christ. And he gives us an opportunity to shine it in our world. I want to just give some time to think about some things related to your own life. Because I, I do think we're in a time where it's, man, it can be so hopeless. And sometimes even in our state, you go to get gas, you're like, man, it's hopeless. You can feel like you pay for groceries, it's hopeless. Where things are headed, it can seem so Hopeless. You just look around you and there's just always something hopeless. But you look to Christ and you see, oh, that's the light of hope. That's the light of this world. And so I just want to give you some questions that you can think. This is like maybe if we could like a reflective to, to think about. Um, first, what, what does this mean for us? This is written to people in the Old Testament hundreds of years before Christ come, but they knew real anguish. And the promise of Messiah didn't come in their day, but they trusted God that he would do what he said. And so even for us, 
we can see the Messiah, but it doesn't necessarily, like we, we know he's come, we can follow him, but it doesn't mean all of our problems just disappear. They're still over us. And so there's this, this hope and this faith that we have to choose. That's the way of, of following Jesus. Like he will come through for you. He, he's not gonna rip you off. And so the first question, just a reflection, is what are the major sources of gloom you need to trade for joy? Notice this is a trade-off. You all and I all, I, I all, we're going to create an Alex Dictionary, limited edition. But you and I, we, we know the things that bring us gloom that we can replay. But before we realize it, we can just pl- like press play on that and it just plays the movie of gloom in our mind. But it has to be a trade-off. And that's really life. It's like you have to continue to choose. I'm going down this path of thinking the wrong thoughts. I have to trade that for the truth. I have to trade that for joy. And that's not like, like mental health speak. That's the reality of life. You're always trading lies for truth. Always. It's a battle. And so what are the major sources of, of gloom? And I, I was just thinking some things. Like the first is, are there things in the world that trouble you? Just as you look out, as you're in the world, as you're experiencing it, do things trouble you? It's very interesting. There's no shortage of us finding about everything that's happening in the world. If you think back in the day, like you only knew what happened in, in like your village, in your city. And maybe you'd find out what's happening if somebody came from the outside and frequented your, your city. And that, that's the only way you'd know. Now, I'm learning about everything in place I've never even heard of. I can't even pronounce where, where it is. And now I'm burdened by something there. So there's no shortage of that. So there's things in the world that, that, that trouble us. It could be just the, the wars and the fighting that we're seeing. Is there conflict with those close to you? Uh, A real source of gloom is just when our relationships aren't right with people, especially those that we love. It's tearing you apart. Are you discouraged by the corruption of leaders around you? Are you battling a a recent loss that could be just with a person in a relationship, a goal, and just, I'm just getting into despair a little bit? Do you feel stuck? All of these things are major sources of gloom. For us, we just feel like you know we, we can't we can't get ahead, and it's okay that you have things on this list. We all do, but we have to recognize that the more we're just focused on these and we don't trade them, the more we get into despair. And the way you don't get into despair is you recognize that you're going down this path of gloom, but then you have to take that picture of gloom and that darkness and you insert the light of Christ. And now the darkness is, it dissipates because the light of Jesus. You don't act like it's not real. You just have to get back to the reality of our situation that Christ has come. He's overcome. He's the conquering king. He will return. And he will restore once and for all the hope. But in the meantime, we hope that he will take care of us. He will equip us. He will guide us. He will give us the truth. And he does, and it's found in his word. So that's the first question. This is called the light reflection there, right? Goodness, that's a lot to think about. But it's good. We have to wrestle with these things. And then number two, uh, what area of your life needs to come under Jesus' rule? And so there might be things, it's like, yeah, I, I'm trusting God in that area, but then there might be things that you're not trusting God in. Like these are the areas where that fear and the anxious thoughts, they really take you down that path. And so you could be battling gloom about your future, about your family situation, 
about the past that keeps cropping up and weighing you down. We have to recognize that a lot of times this is happening in kind of the background. We're brooding over these things. We're mulling on it without realizing. And then the second part of that is when you face the gloom, what do you do to cope? Go to that next one there if you can. As you face the gloom, what do you, I think this is really important. Because what you do to cope with the gloom you face shows what you trust. Because what you do to cope reveals how you want to solve your problem. And for many of us, we do things without realizing that we're trying to cope, sometimes without going to Christ first. Another person I was talking to after the first service, and, and she was just sharing how she's just trying to grow in her reflex to go to God first. She's like, you know, because I, I used to go to my friends first. I'd go to another person first just to talk about because I wanted an immediate, like, help and, and just assurance. But what you find is, is like, if you don't go to God first, you can get an immediate assurance, but it fades because you need something that lasts longer. And that's the truth and the guidance of God. It goes on and on and on. And we have to anchor to him. We can't anchor to anyone else. We have to go to God first. And so we could try to think better thoughts. We could try to turn to a friend for help. And certainly God gives us friends to help us. God gives us people in the church to help us. We need that. We could try to keep ourselves busy. But many times those can become temporary fixes. We have to learn to come to God as our anchor, anchored it to help us to keep battling with the truth of our situation and who he is. You know, sometimes we read the scripture and it's just hard to envision real people experiencing these things. Because you read the Old Testament, they're in anguish, they're being oppressed. It's like, okay, but what would that actually be like? Well, you'd be at a point where you're so desperate that you're just coming before God, like, God, hear our prayers, rescue us, help us. And I just want to talk to anyone, if you've not yet decided to follow Jesus in your life, like you've not decided to make him your king, the idea of the king and the kingdom that goes on forever and forever, it's this idea of like the royalty of God who draws near to us, who brings his light into our darkness. He initiated with us. He sent Jesus to us. We have to come to a point where you recognize he is the king. He is the ruler. What he says is the truth, and it brings life. This idea of king is like you bow, like you bow before the king, the almighty one. If you've never bowed your knee to Jesus, you can decide to do that today. The invitation is already given. Because if anyone believes and confesses that Jesus is Lord, that's the idea of king, you will be saved because Christ has already done what is necessary to save you. You don't have to make payments anymore on your own strength, your resources. He's forgiven you. And he died on the cross for you. And your sin is, is washed away. But you have to turn to him and say, you are my king and I will follow you. And I don't live for the kingdom of this world the kingdom of America, the kingdom of my last name, the kingdom of success, the kingdom of money. I live for the kingdom of God. And it goes on from this day forever and ever and ever. That's what it means to become a Christian. It's like, I'm just gonna trust them today and I'm gonna surrender. And so if you've not yet decided to become a Christian, here, here's just a, a, a simple prayer. And this is for all of us. It's a prayer of surrender that, that we can do every day, but you have to decide initially to bow your knee. It's like, I enter into the kingdom of God. And it's just a prayer like this, Jesus, I'm weighed down right now. I don't know how many times in my life I've prayed that to God. I am weighed down right now. I'm burdened. I'm sad. 
I'm angry, like whatever emotion I'm feeling, I'm in despair. That's what prayer is. You, you cry out with what you're facing. I've been trying to do things in my own power. Will you help me trust you with the area of gloom that you're facing? Whatever that is, name it. Bring God into your mess. You don't have to clean yourself up. You bring him into the mess and then you get clean. I give you or I give the outcome to you. That's that idea of faith and trust. Instead of trying to do it alone, I turn to you for help and I'm willing to do what you tell me to do. That's how you know you've really surrendered to Christ. You'll do what he says. Think about the one area that you don't wanna do what he says. If you're not ready to do that, you're not ready to bow your knee to the king. This idea, I'll do whatever because he's my king. He leads me forward. I wanna be a part of his kingdom. This is how you have a bright future. Doesn't mean your life is cleaned up and no longer messy. In fact, sometimes when you decide to follow Christ, your life gets more messy and your reflex has to continue to grow to trust him. But you will have light in your darkness and it will not leave. So I've given you some things to think about, like specifically in your life, but I don't know everything that you're facing or going through. Like you have to be specific with those things. You have to invite God into that. And so continue in just that posture of of maybe asking questions and reflection. Uh, As I close out, I want to walk through some next steps. I want to invite the band back up and Joel, uh, he'll lead us in getting ready to receive our our offering and closing out our service. But I just want to invite you, as I've talked about, if you've not yet decided to become a Christian, uh, you can decide to do that today. The scripture actually declares like today is the day, day of salvation. It's this idea of like the present moment God will meet you here. And so if you're not yet a Christian, on your connection card, Uh, write new Christian on there. Uh, You'll see, you just write that. It's very simple, two words, new Christian. It's like, I wanna be a new Christian and we'll follow up with you. And so I encourage you to to do that, take that step. If you're not sure what that means, come to the next step table and we'll talk to you about what it means to become a Christian for the first time. Um, The the next next step there is uh, pray and ask Jesus for help with a specific gloom. So be specific. What is it that you're facing? And, and ask him for help in that thing. Invite him in. And then the, the last next step, I'm going to invite somebody. Don't write somebody, because then you're like, who's that? Well, somebody. I'm going to invite someone specific to the Christmas Eve service. Um, if you have the flyer, somebody look at the flyer. What does it say on it? Anyone? Light of the world. That's what we're celebrating. There are people that need light. And so as you're extending an invitation, I literally want you to think, I'm extending an invitation to the light that God brings to Christ. That is real. And so that's what we want to celebrate. And so uh, think through somebody you can invite in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your circles, and take that step and see what God does to use that. Um, As I close out, we do have a special announcement. We have a couple new members that we'd like to announce, and they're standing back there serving on our First Impressions team. This is Caleb and Tatum. Chance. Welcome, guys. Um, we have uh, membership classes here at Ridgeview. That it's, a, it's a formal process. Formal not meaning like you have to wear a suit to attend, but formal meaning we, we want to walk you through what it means to be committed to our church. What separates people who become members who are not is this like formal commitment, like I want to commit to the mission 
of moving Ridgeview forward. And so, Caleb and Tatum, we're so glad you've decided to join us to help us uh, in our mission. We just look forward to how God will continue to use you as we uh, band together. Uh, we're going to, thank you. Yay. Yes. Um, we're going to receive our offering, but let me pray uh, before we do that. God, thank you for just your word, which reminds us that all is not lost and the darkness is not greater than the light of your kingdom. Thank you for sending Christ to us in a specific place that was a promise of hope in the middle of despair. And just a reminder that your people are not too far gone. No one's too far gone to be saved by the grace of Christ. So God, will you just give us a burden to continue to spread your message of hope and light to those in our lives that are desperate for hope? God, we pray for all the invitations that we'll extend to people to come to Christmas Eve. Lord, will you go before us, give us courage, um, give us somebody specific that we can ask. We pray for soft hearts that their invitations sent will be received and people will come. We pray against the enemy who wants to stop people from hearing the truth of your gospel. We pray against the enemy who wants to put obstacles in people's way, who wants to harden hearts. And God, we just ask that nothing will hinder the work that you want to do among us. We know that your kingdom goes on forever and ever, and we thank you for the opportunity to be a part of it. So this week, will you help us to reflect on the bright future that we have? And for that brightness to really permeate and even our hard circumstances, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.